This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with Doug Burschauer. Doug is the Project Delivery Officer and Water Technology Lead for Parametrics, and Doug's going to talk about the art of public speaking. Now, Doug is an accomplished speaker, but he overcame many challenges to get to where he is today, including a speech impediment that he's going to talk about in this episode. In fact, it was one of his elementary grade school teachers that gave him the tip to overcome his challenge, and I believe that this tip can help you as well. I also want to mention that Doug's firm, Parametrics, where he does work as their, in their learning and development as well as in their water technology lead, Parametrics is a leading consulting firm across the country. At EMI, we've done a lot of work with them in helping them build a custom project management development program, and you'll see from what Doug talks about, they do a lot of very progressive training programs related to soft skills and project management, which a lot of firms don't do. So we're lucky to have him talk about his journey, how he helps a lot of the engineers at Parametric succeed, and hopefully you can take some of the frameworks that he provides and utilize them in your own career. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer myself. I practice as an engineer, but eventually I decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since my engineering career, I've written a book called Engineering Your Own Success, and I've traveled the world helping engineers become better managers and leaders. And I think Doug's message today is going to help you become a better leader. Let's jump right in. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the show for today. Doug Bershauer is the Project Delivery Officer and Water Technology Lead for Parametrics. Doug, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you. So Doug, let's just start off by you kind of introducing yourself to the audience. Tell them a little bit about what you do on a daily basis at Parametrics. First off, I'm the Project Delivery Officer for the company, and that involves three main things. First off, I maintain the tools and templates uh, that are used by many of the project managers to conduct their projects. I do training and I also do project reviews. In fact, I just spent uh, three days worth of doing project reviews in our Puget Sound offices. The other thing is I am the water technology lead for Parametrics. And in that role, I am brought in as a senior engineer on many wastewater and water projects doing reviews, and providing oversight of younger engineers. Doug and I met a couple of years ago, actually, because at EMI, we've been working with Parametrics to develop a project management development program. I shouldn't say develop, I should say kind of redevelop. Doug had been doing training for kind of years there already. So what we're going to cover today is just some things that Doug and I have talked about over the last few years together, personal development related, kind of Doug's journey to public speaking or improving in public speaking. And that's kind of the impetus for this episode. And Doug, can you talk a little bit about your experience of transforming from a D student to an A student in grade school? When I was in first and second grade, I wasn't a very good student. I was pulling down D grades. 
I had a speech impediment that was very evident. I would go to these special classes to try to help me with a speech impediment. But there was really no positive reinforcement with those special classes. In third grade, my parents transferred into a private school where my sister had been started the previous year. I had a teacher who instilled in me an attitude of, you can do it if you put your mind to it. She used to tell me, Doug, you're a smart kid. Don't you ever forget that. She'd tell me that week in and week out. She also said, Doug, don't worry about the speech thing. We'll work on it. You'll will get over it. Over that year, I transformed from a D student to an A student because I started believing in myself. And slowly but surely, even though I still have speech impediment to this day, I learned to avoid certain words and I've learned that I can overcome it. I was lucky enough to have the same teacher in fourth grade. I had a second year of, of positive reinforcement. Her name was Mrs. Dennis and I will never forget Mrs. Dennis because she transformed me again from an, a D student to an A student. And that just goes to show you how powerful teaching, learning, and development can really be and how it can have such a long-lasting impact in life, which is awesome. Obviously, Miss Dennis instilled kind of this power of positive thinking for you. How did that change your life? I think it changed my life because I was a, a very good student all the way through high school. I graduated third in my class in high school. And then I went on to college. I had some difficulties uh, uh, my freshman year, but applying that positive thinking, and it was reinforced by my father, who was also a big believer in positive thinking and possibility thinking. I made it through that rough first year and ended up graduating with honors from the, the University of Washington. And then when I transferred to the business world, I've always kind of had an, an attitude of, I can do anything if I put my, my mind to it. And that has played very well with me, you know, whether no matter what job or what project, I got put on a project once that this membrane had never been used in North America. We took the project on, even though at the time, Parametrix was kind of a small growing company we took on that challenging project because both myself and the other engineer had this can-do attitude of, we can do it. What I like about that is it's something that stays with you and can be utilized in every aspect of life, engineering projects, you know, personal life, et cetera. That's something to think about for anyone out there when you think about whether it's teaching, mentoring, training programs, I know, as I said earlier, EMI worked a lot with parametrics over the last few years on building this project management development program. And it's something that we've even thought about there is how do we give project managers a framework that lives on, right? That they can keep using it, just like we're talking about with positive thinking, right? So I think whenever you're thinking about seeking improvements in life or your career, you want to try to find these frameworks or things that you can use and take with you and continue to use to develop because nobody develops overnight as we're going to talk more about here with Doug. I mean, it's, it's always a process, but everything you take with you can help you go to the next step kind of in that process. And let's talk a little bit about your journey as you, you mentioned college. Talk to us a little bit about your participation in the ASE paper contest during your time at the University of Washington and how this experience contributed to your development as a public speaker, Doug. The University of Washington participated in a local paper contest 
uh, with ASCE every year. When I participated, it was 1982, and they had not won that contest since 1965. It was always against Seattle University. And I went in with the attitude of, I'm going to win. And I felt sorry for the folks from Seattle U because they spent the whole year working on this research and you know all the things. And I wrote a paper and just gave a presentation. But I gave the presentation with a lot of enthusiasm. And enthusiasm is always what people remember the most. I ended up winning, and, and then I went to regionals. And I remember at regionals, it was in Walla Walla, Washington. I got up on stage, and the, and the sound systems stopped working. And I could see my classmates all panic. What's Doug going to do? I pushed the mic aside, and I used my big voice, and I just yelled, can you hear me in the back? And they all give a thumbs up. And I gave the presentation anyway, and I won the regional. The following year, I won the local again. I didn't happen to go to, to regional that year. It really sparked an interest in me in public speaking and helping others in public speaking. When you're able to overcome something like that in your career, your life, like you said, number one, gives you a, a ton of confidence, obviously, in yourself to be able to overcome different challenges. For me, also, it helps me to want to help other people do it because you feel like how many people have these limitations that a lot of times are put on them by themselves and they don't have, you know, the Miss Dennis, the teacher or the coach or whatever the case may be to kind of help them push through it. For you, I know that you walked away from that and you became very interested in public speaking. I know you've done a lot of work with that at Parametrics. I know you've developed programs like the Teams program at Parametrics. Maybe you can share some insights into some of those initiatives and the public speaking aspects involved? I think it was around 1995. I was noticing we were getting a lot of new employees and many of them were having difficulty, whether it was in front of a city council, going in an interview of really relaying and communicating adequately. So I started a program and the baseline was always public speaking. And the, one of the biggest things I would emphasize is what I learned, and that was a positive mental attitude. From 1995 until now, I've been teaching public speaking quite a bit. My mode has kind of changed a little bit, but that whole concept of a positive mental attitude has never changed. Because transforming somebody from I can't to I can, can make a world of difference. If someone, when they're ready to get up and talk, if they're telling themselves, I can't do this, it's going to be terrible, I'm going to screw up, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if they tell themselves, I'm going to do great, they're going to do great. We started that, that first class there at Parametrics in 1995. Some of the people that took that class uh, still work for the company. And the one thing I have seen over the years is I've never had anyone not get better. They've all improved. Now, some people improve a lot. Some people improve at a slow rate, but everybody improves. Some of the other elements that you know I included back then was kind of organization of the talk, making sure that you back up your topic with, you know, what's the benefit to the audience? What's in it for them? And a concrete example 
from your experience. And people always ask me, well, Doug, why do I have to talk about my experience? Because if you talk about your experience, it's from the heart. And if you talk from the heart, people will listen to you. We wandered into a lot of different topics over the years with that program, you know, how to win work. We kind of went through a life cycle of a project. A lot of the things we're, we're still doing today, we started way back then. Even when I went to left parametrics and went to CH2M, I was asked to do the same thing, establish these programs, you know, in the Seattle office and the Boise office, Portland office. We even one time put on a, a class for a client on public speaking. We had a blast. It was a lot of fun. And the client mentioned at the end of it that he says, I've never gained so much out of a four-hour session. It was really good to hear. Like I said, it's kind of changed over the years, but the, the basic elements, especially the keeping a positive mental attitude has never changed from that very beginning. I always like to say to engineers and technical professionals that a lot of times you can think of communication and public speaking as kind of riding a bicycle because, you know, when your mom or dad picked it up when you were a kid and you thought you were going to ride on two wheels by yourself, you were like, there's no way I can do that. But if you work on it for weeks or months, then, you know, you can do it and you can get really good at it. And I think there's just too much of a misnomer amongst engineers and technical professionals that, which is one of the main reasons I really wanted to have Doug come on today is because they feel like I'm either born with those skills or I'm not type of thing. I know from your experience, I know from my own experience, when I transitioned from engineering to coaching and training, I was not a good speaker. I spoke very fast and people could not understand what I was saying. So I think that that's a big takeaway, hopefully from this episode for everybody out there is if you're an engineer in the consulting world or even in the public side of things, your ability to present or not present, I'm sure can have a big impact on how and where you can go in your career in terms of leadership and things of that nature. So if you're sitting there saying, I can't do it, to Doug's point, then you're not going to be able to do it. But we're hopefully sending the message to you that you can. Doug, talk to us about how you developed the Polar Principle, P-O-L-E-R. The basics started way back then in 1995. But over the years, I wanted to come up with an acronym. I don't remember when I actually came upon that. But a lot of the elements we've already talked about, P stands for positive, O, organization. And the last three letters kind of have different meanings. One, L is listening but listening is not always with your ears. Sometimes it's just being aware. The L also, one of the things I emphasize is kind of the, the golden rule of public speaking. Treat your audience as you would like to be treated if you were in the audience. I think that's eye-opening sometimes for somebody because it's like, well, I don't want to hear somebody that's boring. I want to hear somebody that's interesting, that has something that has benefit to me. E, enthusiasm. Again, a key element. And finally, R is remember. And remember is a whole bunch of things that I, I want people to remember. And one of the biggest things I want people to remember is what does the audience retain? What you say is down at the bottom, you know, 15 plus percent. But what do we practice the most? What we say, what they read, is next up the chain, but you don't want death by bullets. You can overdo <laughs> how much reading an audience can do. The next up is visuals. 
It's why graphics are so important because a picture truly is worth a thousand words. But that top one, you know, up at 65%, they will remember your enthusiasm. When I work with teams, especially like with interviews and doing presentations at conferences, I really stress that enthusiasm because people will remember that. Now, there's the right level of enthusiasm. You don't get up there and start doing a dance, but you have to come across like it's important with inflection and tone such that the audience is interested in what you're saying. We also deal a lot with, with body language, reacting to the audience, but those are the main points of what I call the polar principle. And it's so true that somebody can feel the energy, if you will, you know, coming from you when you're speaking. And that's such an important thing to think about because it really is. I know for me, when I'm watching anybody, you know, if it, even like if I go to like a parent meeting for my kid's school and like one of the teachers is speaking. In fact, this happened to me just recently. My daughter had a like one of these musical recitals for her school and we went and the instructor, the teacher who was in charge of music was this guy he was a piano player and he was so lively and then he would like play pieces in between. He'd be like, you know, playing to the audience and talking to them about how the kid. And I was just like, I came home. I was like, man, that guy was good. Like, you know, like that kept me really interested the whole time, even when my daughter wasn't even up there. So hundred percent agree that that enthusiasm kind of jumps at them and they will absolutely hundred percent remember that. You talked about how you really became interested in mentoring and guiding others in these skill areas. How has that kind of impacted your own kind of public speaking skills and growth overall? It's really drawn me into my current role, uh, this project delivery role, because a lot of it is coaching and mentoring and training others. And that's really been always been my passion. If you're aware of the, the four quadrant personalities or, or work styles, I end up in the helper amiable category. So it's really in my nature to help and coach others. I seek opportunities to do that. And that's one reason why I'm having so much fun in my current role is I get to do that. And I know even the past few days when I've done reviews, you know, there's been some people that are a little apprehensive about, well, Doug's going to review my project. But at the end of it, it's, well, this is a great session. I learned a lot. My approach is not hitting over somebody over the head over, you know, gee, you're not making as much profit as, as you should. It's how can we help you to make things better in the future? Again, the kind of that positive attitude, positive reinforcement, you know, using some of the th same things I learned as a very young person with people I'm dealing with now. Again, I'm having so much fun in, in the role because I'm getting to really do the things I'm passionate about. So, Doug, you're going to be starting your fifth class next year at Parametrics. Could you share maybe some details about the class and kind of how it aligns with your public speaking journey? We have eight sessions. Originally, when I, I used to do it, there were 12. They wanted me to cut it down so it didn't cover 12 months. I've cut it back to, to eight. And each session, they get to speak. All the participants get to speak. And if they happen to miss a session, they have to make it up the next time. It's usually kept to a dozen or, or less, and we, we go, especially early on in the process, we're going through 
the polar principle. So we kind of go through each one. And then in review, actually utilize peer review because I find that having the participants grade each other is an excellent way to provide feedback. Now, it doesn't mean I won't provide feedback, but I have always found peer review to be more effective. We work through, we have some that are not timed. We have one that is timed that they're cut off at at two minutes. Why do we do that? Well, sometimes if you go to a council meeting, you only have so much time to talk and you have to be able to learn to fit your speech within a certain time frame. The final session is done in front of a larger group and we usually invite their supervisors and the supervisors invite other people in their group. So they get to feel a larger audience. Now, so far, we it's all been done virtually, which I think is good since a lot of what we do right now is done virtually. But I know there is a call for doing some in-house, in-person uh, sessions. And so we're looking into that, especially for next year when I'm up in Puget Sound uh, near some of the major offices. Just from working with Doug, I mean, Parametrics does a really good job in terms of putting out development programs on a very regular basis. Doug does his speaking courses among the other courses that he does. We're doing the PM development program with Doug and Parametrics that's constantly having new cohorts. And really, that's a good thing because all the engineers and technical professionals that we talk to are looking for the development on those kinds of skills. You know, a lot of it's technical in our industry, yes, but you need those skills as well, as we know. And so I think it's important thing for you to consider thinking about what your company's offerings are in terms of development on the soft skill side, on the PM skill side, because you're going to need those skill sets to really progress in addition to your technical background. And when you were talking there, Doug, you reminded me of something that I read. I read a great book once. I think it was called Speak to Win by Brian Tracy, which gives a lot of good tips on public speaking. And I remember he said, he got called once by a meeting organizer and said, hey, we need you to come and do you know, an all-day workshop at this conference. And so we gave him a price and they called him back and they said, you know what? We only need you to speak for an hour or half an hour or something like that. So he said he tripled the price and the guy said, how are you tripling your price? I'm basically taking you down to almost nothing. He said, well, because if I have eight hours to get across my content, it's plenty of time and we could do a lot of things and get very flexible. But if I have to deliver content like that in a half an hour or an hour, it's a lot of work for me to really get that message down and be able to get the same message across in less time. I thought that was interesting. All right. So Doug, what are your future plans when it comes to kind of developing your own public speaking skills further? The biggest thing, and maybe it's not so much public speaking, but one of the things I'm working on in latter part of my life is learning new languages. I don't know if I would ever do public speaking in different languages, but my big challenge right now is, is learning Spanish, German, and uh, Swedish. Doing it through an online app, it's a lot of fun. It keeps my mind busy, and I'm really enjoying the challenge of learning new languages. I hear you because I'm trying to learn Spanish myself because we're actually going on vacation this year to Spain and at the end of June, and so I signed up for this. I don't know what I was thinking, but I signed up for this one-month intensive course where it's like four nights a week. It's like two hours. I mean, I had a good foundation, but it's one of those things like any other skill set. Practice, you got to practice it and you really got to speak it and use it. But again, it's one of those things like we talked about earlier. It's another one of those things that people say older in life, you can't learn a new language, which I disagree with. And so it's just something that again, requires that dedication, having a good plan of how you're going to kind of attack it and approach it. 
All right, Doug. So what is one final piece of advice that you would like to give our listeners who aspire to improve their public speaking skills and kind of overcome their own challenges they might have around it? I would go back to what I said in the very beginning. You've got to change your mindset. Changing your mindset, and really applies to public speaking, it applies to life. You change your mind, you can change your world. I use it a lot in public speaking because, again, so many people have negative self-talk that they have to get past that to really be able to do it. But it applies to so many things in life. Being positive, believing in yourself, being able to tackle new things in life. You know, whether it's on the business side, work side, or in your personal life. I know I met with students at uh, Arizona State University, and they kind of asked me this, the same question. And I think I pretty much gave the same answer. Stay positive, think positive, and believe in yourself. To Doug's point, if you're out there with that fear, where like a lot of people have a public speaking that you can't do it, you have some of that negative self-talk, my advice to you, along with Doug's is when you're thinking positive and you're giving yourself some of that positive talk, try to get some action, right? Something small. Speak for five minutes, speak in front of friends, just do something. If you positive self-talk, do something, you'll build a little bit of confidence, right? It's kind of like a jar. You want to keep filling it up, right? More and more confidence, and then you'll do more and you'll do more until you become more and more comfortable. That's where people struggle a little bit because they get so afraid to just take a small shot. Because really, with, especially with speaking, every time you get in front of people, you're going to get a little more comfortable. I mean, it's just kind of the way it works. And so sometimes that first one is the hardest one, but I would just say start small. You could even like coach your kid's team and talk to the kids. You could do something in your church. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. We're not sitting here saying, go start by going at a conference with a hundred engineers in the audience type of thing, right? The first session in my program, they do introductions, but before they get up in front of everybody or before they start speaking, they have to raise their hands in the air and say with a firm voice, I'm going to do great. I remember one time I had a young lady, when she started to get up front, it was kind of almost couldn't hear. I'm going to do great. I go, I can't hear you. And about the fifth time, she just kind of turned at me and, and yelled at me, I'm going to do great. She gave her introduction. And I said, how'd you do? And she had a a funny smile. And she said, I did great. I said, yes, you did. English was a second language for her. That's why she was hesitant. But because she finally truly believed that she was going to do great, that's what she did. It's a powerful message because we do tend to forget how much that means to us, You know, our own vote of confidence for ourselves and how much that can really push us. So really what's powerful about it is that if you can get that down, like Doug suggested, it can really drive you to a lot of places in your career that you wouldn't go without kind of your own confidence and your own ability. All right. Well, once again, Doug Bershauer, Doug's the project delivery officer and water technology lead for Parametrics. Doug, I want to thank you for taking some time uh, spending it with us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. No problem. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Doug. This is really a crippling problem for technical professionals. The inability to believe in themselves when it comes to public speaking, it does hold back so many engineers in their careers. And I really hope that you'll be inspired by his story and take some action to become a better public speaker 
in your career. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Dot org.